This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton back in the studio this morning. Very happy to be sharing the microphones with Robert House. Uh, Bob's been here many times, whether it's for plays or for our uh, award-nominated uh, Letters from Alma uh, program <laughs> we're still proud of that we did for Veterans Day, and we reran this year. Um, but also because he's a friend. We've, I've known you for, well, as long as I've known Wilbur now. It's, uh, I think we're pushing 50 years. Oh, Linda. we're pushing it or hard. Or a little more now. <laughs> we're yeah. pushing it really hard. And Ian and Wilbur have known each other since middle school, I think. Uh, at, at East about Park. seventh grade, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, so uh, part of the family, uh, always good to, to talk to Robert. Robert is a former teacher, always interested in, in interesting things, uh, wonderful to sit down and have a conversation with, especially if there's a beer involved. Uh, that's happened. <laughs> that's happened a couple of times, <laughs> probably more than a couple. Um, and probably the only, uh, uh, the only reason he's, he's here is just out of the kindness of his heart to be up this early. He's retired and... You know, beer and golf are the only things that get him out of bed, so uh, we we're, uh, appreciate the fact that he's here. My pleasure. Uh, <laughs> Good to be here. So the reason he is here is because he has a wonderful daughter that we love very much, Lauren House Shoemate, who teaches at uh, Salt Fork. She's the drama coach. And we always go to see uh, Lauren's productions because they're always fascinating. The one, <laughs> the one we saw two weeks ago. Oh my god! It was so good. It was a hoot. It really was. It was so good. I can't. I'm still amazed by what a great job those kids did. But anyway, during intermission or at some point in time, I was talking to Robert. Uh, it occurred to me that Pearl Harbor Day was coming up, and we really hadn't done anything with the War Museum in quite a while. Robert's been involved uh, with the War Museum for many years now. How long? Well, I think I started volunteering. It's probably been eight years ago now. Really? Because obviously it was after I retired, but uh, I think I'm up to about my eighth year now. Yeah. And when I say uh, he's he's a volunteer and he's involved, I mean he is. You're there every Thursday, I think? My day is Thursday yeah. afternoon and... Uh, of course, I share that with a couple other fellows that are there, and then if there's something that needs a little construction or painting or uh, sprucing up, I try to help when, uh, as most of the guys down there do, when if we can yeah. uh, lend a hand. It is it is truly a volunteer effort. Um, I, for anybody that doesn't know, um, the War Museum is located in the Carnegie Building, the former Danville Public Library. Uh, that I grew up in, uh, it is an amazing place to go. If you have not, I highly recommend you do. If you think you're not interested because you don't care about war, trust me, there is so much history in that building, so many stories about our people. Yes, we... It's amazing. We have... I just like to call them the, our human interest stories. Yeah. You know, they're somehow related to uh, a conflict or a war that our country's been associated with, but it's all not it's not all just uh, sabers and rifles and machine guns. You know, we have a, lots and lots and lots of other items that would probably most people would find something fascinating in. Yeah, them. it's the stories that I think are are most important. Now, 
So you're you're covering. You're always the thing about the the war museum, much like the Vermilion County Museum, because who does the same thing? You're always looking at what are you going to feature, what are you going to change, what are you going to make new and different. So that if people come back, they don't see the same things all the time. Right. So what have you been working on? What's what's what are you featuring right now? Well, over the last since I haven't been here due to the COVID and all that for I I think well over a year. Yeah. Uh, we have. Uh, in the last couple, three months, got a, gotten a couple of new displays, Linda, um, that were funded by grants that uh, people on the board uh, had have gone out and, and acquired for us. Um, one that um, is really very attractive and eye-catching, it's uh, Women of the Revolutionary Period. And this was funded by a grant from the Governor Bradford chapter of the DAR here locally. Um, and the clothing, uh, the ladies' clothing that um, the mannequins are displaying uh, was sewn by a couple of local women, Deb Kelly, who I actually taught with for about the last six, seven uh -huh. years of my career, and Emily Bencomo. Uh, both of these ladies have been personally involved with uh, reenactment, Civil War mostly, for a long time. And they put together these five outfits that are uh, historically accurate and nicely done. Uh, you want me to run down through what the five sure, uh, different ahead. outfits are? Well, one of them would be uh, a woman of wealth. I think a good descriptor would probably be she would be in the landed gentry class. You know, the plenty of money, never had to work, had household servants, the whole deal. And, and it's uh, it's a very classy looking dress that the ladies put together for her. Then there's another woman that would have been upper class, not like the first one, but this lady probably would have been married to um, a, a man who was a very successful merchant, perhaps uh, a physician or uh, a lawyer, what have you, and or they might have even just been uh, big farmers that had mm -hmm. plenty of income as far as agriculture. Uh, the next figure would be a woman dressed as a household servant. Now, this could have been... Um, an indentured servant, it might have even been a slave, but uh, it would have been a slave that was a household worker and not a field slave because the costume or the dress they put on her would have been far too nice to be out in the field. So uh, that's an interesting one. And then we have the next one is a woman just dressed as the everyday woman, you know, housekeeper, mother in the colonial period. And finally, there's also, they did uh, clothing that would be um, like what young girls would have worn, uh, you know, the 10 to 13 age. And uh, it's very nice. It's well done, and I think people find it kind of uh, interesting just to peruse them and, yeah. as they're walking through. Well, and again, it's one of, uh, one of many. It's, as we said earlier, this is not just about war, but it co does cover... A lot of wars. So, yes. uh, Revolutionary War, Civil War. You just got a, a saber, didn't you, from the... Yes, we did. Um, we recently got an officer's uh, saber at, with the scabbard uh, in very good condition, and we're pretty sure 
Actually, a couple of guys are researching it a little bit still, but we're pretty sure that it was carried by a soldier from Vermilion County. So oh, wow. that's uh, uh, you know that's a, a local cool. attachment to a piece yeah. of history, a hundred and. 50 years ago or whatever it is now, 60s. So uh, we also, real quickly here, we have another uh, grant-funded display that is Civil War-related. Uh, it was funded by the John Cadle Foundation, and it was based on some original letters that a local soldier wrote home to his mother about life in the camps. And this was put together by um, Larry Weatherford and Ray Ann, his lovely wife, and uh, a lot of other uh, people on the board helped to, to get it together. And the costumes, again, were sewn by the same two women, uh, Miss Ben Como and Miss Kelly. Uh, and it's based on soldiers of the 125th Illinois Regiment, which was part of Colonel Harmon's command. And, you know, for those that know a little bit about Vermilion County and Danville history, Colonel Harmon, when he went into the service for the Civil War, he lived right here in Danville. He did. And I think Harmon Street was named <laughs> was yeah. named after the, the colonel. Uh, he lost his life during the war, and I honestly can't remember what battle it was, but I know he was killed someplace uh, in a in a big battle during the war. Well, and again, the one thing that you, you all have done at the museum, at the War Museum, is that you have made these stories a feature. Uh, so again, it's not just about war, it's about stories and the people who fought the battles and how battles were fought, because how they were fought in the Civil War or even the Vietnam War, completely different situations. And so you can learn a lot about how that's changed, but you can also learn about the people from here in Vermilion County. When we come back, uh, Mr. House and I are going to focus on Pearl Harbor Day and uh, the, the local connections to uh, that immense tragedy that our country went through. And we'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN Linda Bolton in the studio this morning with Robert House good friend and um, Bob's here to talk about uh, one of his real true passions of course besides Miss Sherry Lynn uh, <laughs> would take precedence um, the Vermilion County War Museum which is in the old Carnegie Library on Vermilion Street right next to the public library Used to be the public library. I grew up there. I always tell people I still Way remember. Way back when we were little. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hundreds of years ago. I still remember going down those circular stairs, and I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get down there to all those books uh, to read. Oh, my gosh. You just There wasn't enough time, and there still isn't. Um, but that said, if you have not gone to the War Museum, I highly recommend you take a, take a few minutes and go visit, because I think you're going to be impressed. It kind of takes your breath away because you think you know you're going to a war museum and you find out you're going to a treasure trove of stories and, and people 
and our history in Vermilion County. And not the least of, of which is Pearl Harbor. So what are, you, what are you doing at the museum for Pearl Harbor? Talk a little bit about that. Well, unfortunately, we can't really have any major open houses or programs. In fact, we are going to do another night at the museum. We are going to do something for Christmas. And all that had to be, you know, when the, when the virus started flaring up yep. again, unfortunately, all that had to be cut. Uh, but we do have some Pearl Harbor items. Um, and uh, I brought along something here this morning that I thought I would share uh, with, with you and the people out there listening to us this morning. It is a direct link to 80 years ago. So can I just Absolutely. share a little with, with everybody? Absolutely. Uh, a few years ago, a lady brought in some letters and a couple other items, and uh, I'd like to share this with you all. Uh, actually, this little story of Pearl Harbor started sometime in the summer of 1939 when a couple of high school graduates um, by the names of Irene Pugh and Bill Offit met at some kind of social gathering, and they just struck up a friendship. Well, Bill decided later that fall, uh, this would have been 1939, to enlist in the uh, U.S. Army Air Corps. And before he shipped off to basic training, Irene said if it was okay, she'd like to write him from time to time to keep him kind of up to date on what was going on back here in Danville. And Bill said that he would... He, he'd sure. like that very much, and he'd try to respond if and when he could. After basic, Bill was assigned to Hickam Airfield at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Over the next 24 months, and we're only able to read half of the letter exchange because we just have the letters Bill sent to Irene. We do not have the ones that she mailed him. But it's very obvious that they be started becoming more than just pen pals. Uh, and they were looking forward to the end of December in 1941 because that's when Bill's two-year enlistment would be up and he would be coming back to the United States. Now, Bill's letter of November 22, 1941, explained to Irene that things were changing in Hawaii and many of the squadrons that he were, that were also assigned to Hickam Field uh, were being moved out to other bases in the Pacific, such as the Philippines and so on. And Bill told Irene that he was really looking forward to seeing her, and he hoped his departure from Hawaii would not be delayed, and, of course, wished her a very Merry Christmas. Now, at this point, I'd like to share with you part of an article from the Friday, December 12th, 1941 edition of the Danville Commercial News. The headline is, First Casualty City Soldier Killed in Action. First casualties of the American-Japanese War have narrowed from a national tragedy to a personal one for, a, for Danville with word of the sacrifice of her first son, Corporal William H. Offutt, age 21, in the initial attack at Hickam Field, Hawaii. Corporal Offutt's uncle and aunt, Mr. and Mrs. Everett Offutt of Danville, with whom he was residing prior to enlisting in the Army, 
Received word late Wednesday of a message from the Secretary of War reporting that he had been killed in action on Sunday. Part of the telegram reads, The Secretary of War desires to express his deep regrets that your son, and actually it wasn't their son, he was just living with them, Uh, William H. Offutt was killed in action in defense of his country at Hickam Field, December 7. No remains will be transported to the United States until after termination of hostilities. So, this, to me, really brought the fact that Danville uh, was engaged in World War II day one. You know, our our first citizen of, of the uh, area lost his life while the Japanese planes were, would have still been in the air. Uh, so that, you know, I think that really, really brings it home that, as you said, Pearl Harbor changed the course of history, <coughs> but sometimes we forget that it also changes people's lives. People's lives. Now, later on in the month of December 1941, uh, Irene received a letter from a uh, very close friend of Bill's who was still over in Hawaii. They had both been assigned to Hickam Field after basic. And it's from Corporal R.C. Dewey. Dear Irene, How are you today? I hope you had a happy Christmas and a new year. Over here, we are doing the best we can under the circumstances. I'm sorry, Irene, that I did not answer your letter of some months ago. I'm hoping that you will forgive me. As you know, Bill and I were the best of friends ever since we left New York, and although we never expected to be separated, we agreed to write each other's girlfriend in case one of us was killed over here. I don't know, I didn't know whether you had received word or not of Bill's death on Sunday, December 7. He was killed when a bomb exploded near him and has been buried here. He was doing his level best, fighting back at those Japs, and I believe that's the way he would have wanted to die, fighting like he was for you and his country. If there is anything I can do, I wish you would let me know. Keep your chin up, Irene, as we'll soon pay them back and a lot more. Your friend, Bob. It's quite a letter. And again, these are the personal stories at the Vermilion County War Museum. you got to go find out about it. We'll be back in just a moment to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton in the studio this morning with Robert House, who is a, um, a passionate volunteer at the Vermilion County War Museum and has been for many years. Um, and uh, he was kind enough to come on Pearl Harbor Day, something we forget about. You know, uh, you and I were raised by folks who grew up in the Depression and, and were the folks World that War served in vets, World War yeah. II. Um, both my parents served. Both of Wilbur's parents served. Your dad served. My dad served. 
and I'm sure your mom volunteered knowing Ruth. Um, so it's always been part of our lives, the, the recognition of Pearl Harbor and the enormity of what that must have been like at the time uh, for people. Uh, but a lot of generations now have passed, and it's kind of losing some of its power, I think, unfortunately, much as World War II is. Yes. So um, it's important that we have these stories, and Bob just did a great job of sharing personal stories about the first casualty at Pearl Harbor from Danville. So uh, donations are a big part of what you do. You People clean out closets open storage areas, and all of a sudden they find this stuff and go, oh my gosh, what do I do with it? Well, you're absolutely right, and I've had this theory for many years. I can't prove it, but I think what you were just starting to talk about, I think that's how a huge amount of the items that we have in the museum uh, were brought to us. Someone passes away, the families clean out Uncle Wally's garage or attic or basement, and they find something that he had from Germany, Japan, or the Pacific Theater, Korea, whatever. And they just don't have the heart to throw it away, and so they bring it to us, and of course we're thrilled to, to get it. So and you've had some recent donations that are... Good. Yes. Uh, even though uh, we were closed down for many months, we still have gotten in some pretty neat stuff. Uh, uh, Veterans Day, when we had an open house, which was very nicely attended, we were so appreciative of the support of the area, but uh, a man brought in a World War I uniform uh, from a man uh, that was in the ordnance department, and this was his tunic or jacket, his pants, and a full-length wool overcoat, which I swear has to weigh 25 pounds, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, World War Wide one items, Linda, still come in slowly, but they still come in, and yeah. we're we're thrilled to get them. We're also getting a number of pieces uh, from Vietnam and Korea, uh, and in fact, we got this is kind of a strange relation, but we got a Russian sword, probably made about 1920 or so, but it was uh, taken from an enemy soldier by an American soldier. And this the the enemy was carrying this Russian sword in Korea, so <laughs> oh, oh bizarre! <laughs> and, and we ended up with it, and it's it's a pretty neat piece to uh, have a look at. Uh, and this is one that we just recently got. Uh, it was from the family of John Sant, who was uh, in World War II. He was, I think, a bomber pilot. Uh, just passed within the last few months, he did. but. Uh, the family donated, of all things, a record album. And it's the recording of two pieces of music that were written by two different airmen while they were POWs in Stalag Luft One during World War II. Oh, my God. And the recording belonged to John, and we haven't played it, but it, it's still in the original shipping box and all this, and it's just kind of bizarre that uh, what an interesting thing that it survived 80 years. No you know? kidding. My God, that is unbelievable. <laughs> and to have been written by prisoners of war. I mean, two imagine what that must have been like. Two different men who obviously had musical training, and they wrote these pieces of music while they were POWs. Wow. <laughs> 
Isn't that something? It really is. It really is. So, so for donations, what should people? I mean, you can only have so many uniforms, but what? What should I think about if I if I come across some stuff? If you come across something that you know is related to the military. Bring it down. Uh, about the only thing that we question sometimes are what I call coffee table books, you know, that probably somebody got as a Christmas gift or whatever. Now, if it's a historical, <coughs> pardon me, regimental volume, bring that on down. Uh, uniforms we accept. Um, there's very, very little that we will we would say no. We really don't have a, a use for that. Um, and we promised you that we will take care of it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, and and that's what what we did with a piece, well, with some pieces that my dad brought back from World War II, the bamboo um, yes. container that had his uh, the ceremonial certificate when they crossed. I think was it the equator or whatever. I can't uh, remember yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And that was such a big deal, deal to my. I told Bob I had it put together. Um, Images did a great job of putting the the whole thing together in a collage. But I told Bob. That was about the only thing that my dad would ever talk about. You know, those guys just wouldn't. Yeah. He was in the Philippines, and it was awful. And he <coughs> he would say, I had my appendix out while I was there. That wasn't good. <laughs> and the ceremony was so impressive to him. So anyway, they have that now. I didn't have any place to really display it. And I thought, what a wonderful place for my dad's sake for it to be, yes. his memories of the war. So they have that now at the museum. So think about that. Uh, and go ask them. They'll 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 tell you. They'll they'll you know share that information with you. When are you open? We are open for Tuesday through Saturday. On Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're open noon to four. And on Saturdays, we're open ten to four. Okay. So come on down. I will say that right now, the board is considering closing down the month of January again as we've done for the last handful of years except on Saturdays we'll be there on Saturdays uh, and this gives us a chance to do some cleaning do right. some painting touching Hard up to do and with, what with have tourists you. in there and you do draw a lot of folks from all across the country oh yes come to this yes museum. we do I mean, it's, it's pretty stunning thank you so much for being here and sharing that uh, it's it's so important we don't forget I agree and it's so easy to forget and please, uh, again, you got some time on your hands. Go visit the War Museum and read the stories. Listen to the stories. These guys have a lot of knowledge to share with you. Thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Join me tomorrow. Uh, Jason Rome will be here. We're going to talk about the Fisher Theater and all the things going on for the holidays. So join us for Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.